You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. It's really great to be here with you. Let's just jump into our message today. Uh, If you're like me, uh, I love to read. And when I was a kid, uh, uh, my favorite books were the Choose Your Own Adventure books. But I just want to give you a confession today is that almost every single time I would skip to the end of the Choose Your Own Adventure to read the ending and so that I could go back and pick the correct path to go through. That may not seem like it has a lot to do with our message today, but I promise that we're going to come back to that later because I wanted the end at the beginning. And so just remember that and we'll come back to that. But we have been going through the seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And these are all amazing passages of scripture, but the topic story is is too big really for one message. We've been moving through these and today we will look at John 11, 25 and 26, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Most of the time, this is a passage we hear around Easter and Resurrection Sunday, but that's not where we are today. All these statements as individual passages are so powerful, and our teaching team has done an amazing job of bringing them to life. And I love that as we dig into them, we see that Jesus is revealing more and more of himself to his disciples and through that to us as well. And I'm reminded that whenever Jesus says, I am, the hearers of that would immediately understand that he is connecting the dots between himself and Moses all the way back in Exodus 3, where God reveals his name to Moses and tells Moses he is called I am. I love these connections, and I love the threads that weave through this story in John 11. And I want to go verse by verse and explain every detail and every connection and every possible application for us to see, but I can't. It's just too much. The story of Lazarus in all of chapter 11 is the context that we have for the I am statement today. Even the name Lazarus and the idea of something rising from the dead is an idiom that has entered into our popular culture, not just stuck in the Bible. There are lots of biblical stories and references that have snuck into our common vocabulary. David and Goliath, right? It's a figure of speech that means something smaller and weaker, overcoming something larger and more powerful. Like a lamb to the slaughter, right? That's an Old Testament reference that we have borrowed into today's speech. How about two more? about there's nothing new under the sun or the writing is on the wall. Both of those are biblical. And the story of Lazarus is the same. It's a popular idiom. And so when I began to reread the story in preparation for today, that's the initial lens I saw the story through. It's a story of death-defying faith. It's a message of overcoming struggle and death. It's rising up and coming out of the grave, both literally and metaphorically. But as I have read this story, it's more than that. John 11 is a story for the skeptics. It's a message for the doubters. It's for those of us who have struggled. Maybe you are here today and you've been going through a season of doubt and deconstruction and reconstruction. And this passage is hopefully a helpful one. Maybe you're here today and and that's not your story. You haven't had that experience. I think there's something right here in the middle for you too. Before I give some context, I want you to be looking for a passage here in this passage and, and all through the book of John. We can see this general pattern when Jesus does something. Now, the whole book of John is John showing Jesus to be the son of God and God himself and to reveal who Jesus is by narrating the story of Jesus revealing all these things about himself. 
And these I am statements have been building up and revealing that. And the pattern of how this happens goes like this. Something happens. The people around Jesus get it wrong or just partly right. Jesus teaches them further and then demonstrates his teaching or does something. And then they understand better. So just keep that in that pattern in mind as we continue today. And I want to laser focus down on John 11 verses 17 through 27, but we need the context of what happens before that. Jesus and the disciples had been in Jerusalem and barely escaped getting stoned. Uh, That's the killing with rocks kind of stone and not the other kind. He goes out of Jerusalem back towards Bethany where he had friends like Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Jesus is between Jerusalem and Bethany when he gets word that his friend Lazarus is really sick. And this is a good friend and the Bible says, this is the one you love. But Jesus doesn't leave where he is and he waits two more days before leaving. The disciples are freaking out because they don't have anywhere to go that's safe. They want to kill him in Jerusalem and they want to kill him in Bethany. And here we see a little bit of the pattern I mentioned before with the disciples. They don't understand. And and to be fair, Jesus is a little cryptic when he explains his actions. When he first hears about Lazarus, he seems unbothered. He says, this isn't the sickness that will lead to death in verse four. And he stays two more days. And when he says, let's head back to Judea, they remind him of the near death of the last time they were there. And then Jesus uses some very unique language to explain that basically it's not his time to die yet, but the disciples don't get it yet. And so then Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm going to go wake him up. But the Jesus, the disciples are like, yeah, Jesus, nice. If, if he's sleeping, then he's going to get better. Cool. And so he finally has to say it plainly. Lazarus is dead, but I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there so you can believe. So let's go, right? See that pattern? It's all through John. As a side note, the older I get, the more I empathize with the disciples, right? They're just normal dudes trying to understand how to follow Jesus. And most of the time they get it partly right. But man, I see that in my own life. Just trying to follow Jesus and hoping to get a little bit better every day at it. But ultimately, we can't stay here. There's so many things I want to pull out and discuss, but we can't. Because every time I read through this and I prayed through it, this passage is where I got stuck. We're going to land here between verses 17 and 27 for the rest of our time. So let's read it together. On his arrival, Jesus had found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. When I've been reading through this whole chapter, this is where I would get stuck. And I think I get stuck because I find myself in the person of Martha. Martha says to Jesus such an honest and vulnerable thing. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She's being very honest with Jesus. Her heart and her emotions are all poured into that statement. And that statement pulls on my heart too, because I agree. Yeah, Jesus, what the heck, man? (laughs) Why didn't you step in and Why did you wait and and let your friend die? And then I think of all the times in my life where I have said the same thing. 
God, where were you? I know you have asked that question too. And I bet you can think of times right now where you have said, God, where were you? And Martha says it too. Jesus, where were you? You're four days late. Lazarus is dead. Not just mostly dead. He's dead, dead. And that question, that deep and meaningful question Martha asks is so important. Some of you are here today. And the defining question of your spiritual life is this one. Jesus, where were you? Where were you when that thing happened? That question has left you waiting and wondering, just like Martha. If we look at the next part of the verse, Martha does something very interesting. And this is actually where I've been stuck in my study of this verse, because Martha keeps going. Martha says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And I'm not exactly sure what that means. Most commentaries I read say that this is Martha's confidence in Jesus, but I don't know. Almost all the things I have read and studied about this part say that. To paraphrase Martha, if you would have been here, you could have saved Lazarus, but nevertheless, I believe in you anyway. And I think, and this is just my opinion, what if Martha is just responding with a spiritual statement or a spiritual platitude that she doesn't really mean or she just kind of means? And you know what spiritual platitudes are, right? These are bumper sticker statements that while kind of true, aren't really helpful or completely accurate. Here's some examples. When God closes a door, he opens a window. (laughs) Everything happens for a reason. Jesus, take the wheel. Or one of my favorite ones, let go and let God. I think Martha kind of responds to Jesus like that, right? I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask Right, which is mostly true, but not helpful. Are platitudes and bumper sticker theology foundational for you? Because I've said some of those things with great intentions, but much like Martha, they're an incomplete picture of what Jesus is trying to teach us. But I'm still not sure if she meant it or not. I think this is because of the way Jesus responds. He says right after that, your brother will rise again. And it's Martha's response. It's what makes me think this. I think she actually does it twice. I think she says another pretty accurate, mostly religious thing. I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. True again, but not complete. And certainly not what Jesus was getting at. And so he has to speak plainly. Martha is like, yeah, Jesus, I get it. I know that someday I'll see my little brother again in heaven. But she is still stuck on where were you? And so Jesus makes one of the most important and impactful statements in all of his ministry. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And what has got me so perplexed and led me to read this whole passage from a new perspective is this answer that Jesus gives. He says, I am all the things you are wanting, Martha. Not someday, not in the end, not at the resurrection, but now, right in front of you. He doesn't say I can provide resurrection in life or I can give you the secrets to it, but he says, I am. Again, reaching back to Moses in the book of Exodus. In other words, Jesus is telling Martha and us, eternal life and rescue from death are not just something you attain by appealing to God. They are aspects of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. Because she wants the ending, right? Just like the Choose Your Own Adventure books I mentioned. She wants Jesus to jump to the end and fix it right now. But he says, I am right here right now. I am. Now, that doesn't mean followers of Jesus will never die. Obviously, Lazarus and Martha eventually die. 
but it means that those in relationship with Jesus will not suffer death in eternity. And they don't have to wait to the end to enjoy the benefits of a relationship with Jesus right now. That's the life part. And so Jesus ends this by saying to Martha, do you believe in this? And I read that like Jesus says, do you believe in this? The emphasis is important. This thing that I said, this new reality that I'm showing you, do you believe in this? And Martha's response, as her eyes are opened afresh, is so beautiful. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And she gets it. And that's the pattern I outlined earlier is complete now in Martha. She doesn't understand And Jesus has to teach her and show her something fresh. And she understands and believes in a new way. And then he completes the same pattern as the story continues. Now, it's not perfect. She still has some things to work out, but she truly understands now. And all the people around, and especially his disciples, are still in that spot where they don't quite understand yet. And so Jesus, in his sorrow and in his humanity, calls Lazarus out of the tomb and physically demonstrates the statement he made to Martha. And he completes that pattern for them. And they see too. And Mary and the disciples and Jews who are gathered see that he doesn't just give the words to them. He demonstrates his power and who he is. And as a side note, he also gives them a little glimpse into the future where he too will rise again. But they don't have any idea at this time that that's what's going to await Jesus. And so today for us, what can we leave with today? And if I'm being honest, all the initial things that popped into my head were similar platitudes to the ones that Martha gave. I thought of several things that sounded pretty spiritual and and were true, but not helpful. And I was really tempted to give you some bumper sticker giveaways. There are two things I think we can take away today, both short, but profound and hopefully deeper than bumper sticker stuff. And the first is when Jesus says, I am the resurrection to Martha, he's saying that all things will be made right someday. All the sin, all the suffering, all the hardship will be made right in him. But he's telling Martha, you don't get the end first. Kind of like my skipping to the end of the books I was reading. Eternal life is available. The ending is available. And power over death is found in him and him alone. And this is a powerful thing that's powerful for us too. And the second truth today is this. There's a gap between what we are experiencing in this life and the life that we want. All of us, if you're rebuilding your faith, if you're learning about this stuff for the very first time, or if You've been following the way of Jesus for a long time. There's a gap. Maybe you have something even right now you're asking to God about. Where were you? Where are you? Last week, Alante talked to us about John 10, and he highlighted John 10.10. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so when Jesus says to Martha, I am the life, he's expanding on that idea. There's a gap between our real life and the abundant life Jesus talks about. The space between what you know is available and what you are experiencing is only filled by an actual relationship with Jesus. It's not filled up by phony spirituality or activities. That abundant life, that fulfilling life, that deep spiritual life is only found in him. Jesus' statement that he is the resurrection and the life provides a godly perspective on both the now reality and the eternal reality. Martha believed that the resurrection is an event And Jesus showed her and us that the resurrection is a person. Martha's knowledge of eternal life was an abstract idea. And Jesus showed her and us that knowledge of eternal life is a personal relationship. Martha thought victory over death was a future expectation. And Jesus corrects her and us, 
showing that victory is a present reality. And that reality was found in the person right in front of her. All the things that Martha is longing for, both now and in eternity, are in Jesus. And they are there for us as well, even today. And so today, my hope is that you have experienced a little bit of that pattern today. Maybe you thought something about Jesus or this scripture, and after today, you can see it a little bit clearer. See, we're in the same boat, but I believe Jesus already did the teaching and action to help us understand. And so when we ask ourselves, what is it that we believe? We can answer the same as Martha did. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.